0: Right here, right now. I'm your host, Ben Kurkowski, and the Packers at home not only beat the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday evening, but just absolutely crushed them. The final score is 41 to 17, but that doesn't even tell the whole story. As both teams had backs up backups in the game in the fourth quarter, uh, where 14 points were scored by both teams. This game really was a story of our defense simply shutting down the vikings offense in this game the vikings didn't complete a first down until their fifth offensive drive of the game the packers forced four three and outs to start this game which was just incredible and if it wasn't for the blocked punt the vikings would not have even scored until the fourth quarter of this game uh when none of their offense was even in the three points the Vikings had going into the fourth quarter was because the Vikings started that drive on the Packers one yard line and they could even score a touchdown on that drive this game was just an incredible defensive performance that I don't even think I've ever seen something like this before from the Packers and it started up front with one major player we have been kind of disappointed in so far this year, actually very disappointed in so far this year. And that player is Kenny Clark. I love Kenny Clark, but this has not been his year. Uh, But Clark came into this game ready to go. And he had some, Bad players on the Vikings uh, to go up against uh, on this Vikings interior, matched up with him, and he made the most of it. He had a 91.2 pass rush grade, which caused a ton of pressure in this game and made Kirk Cousins so uncomfortable in the middle of the pocket. And it even led to a strip sack, which Kenny Clark now leads the NFL with six pressures that caused turnovers this season. The next closest is someone who, a bunch of guys who have four We have needed someone to step up in a major way on our defensive line ever since Rashawn Gary's season-ending injury, and Kenny Clark did that on Sunday. And Kenny Clark probably would be able to do that a lot more often if he had someone else who was a disruptive player on that defensive line. These guys really help each other out by getting a lot of attention away from each other because they're both so elite in their own ways. And uh, without Rashawn Gary out there, it'd definitely been harder for Kenny Clark, but he did in this game and it was incredible. What I do not want to hear from Vikings fans, and I I know quite a bit of Vikings fans, but um, is how the Vikings had too many injuries on their offensive line to overcome this game. It just wasn't fair. Okay, the Vikings are the healthiest team in the NFL. They have now lost two major starters, one probably for the year in Brian O'Neill, but great Garrett Bradbury will be back probably next week. Every team has injuries, okay? And the Vikings have had almost none this entire season. They finally faced an injury, basically. They had Garrett Bradbury out. Yeah, they had Austin Slotman in. Yeah, that's a huge downgrade for sure, but it's at center. It's not like the most important position in the world. Yeah, you had to go to your third string center. I get that, but Brian O'Neill is probably their first major injury of the entire season. And honestly, it's still not that it's still, it's major. It is. It's hard to lose an offensive tackle. I get it. But if I had to choose, I would much rather have lost Brian O'Neill and Garrett Bradbury than have lost Rashawn Gary and Eric Stokes. And that's, and so the Vikings are still a healthier team than the Packers. And they got crushed in this game. Because every team has injuries, and if the Vikings fans try to tell you, hey, that's why they lost, you can tell them, okay, and just name how healthy their roster is overall and ask them, oh, well, what are the other starters you've lost this year? And honestly, it's just a sign that this Vikings team does not have very much depth. The Vikings have zero depth on the roster. They're gambling, and that gamble finally – did not come through. And they lost big because that roster has no depth. They aren't prepared for major injuries. And it's a serious problem they need to take into account in Minnesota. And I still think they're a very healthy roster. And I still think they're a quality team. I don't think they're a bad team. But I do think that this Vikings team is is playing it very risky. And honestly, if you want to win a Super Bowl, you probably have to take risky bets. And that's the one they're taking right now. And so this Vikings team has not had injuries. They finally had some. And it led to their demise in this game. Uh, But it wasn't just Kenny Clark though on our defense, our defense of the 11 players that play the most snaps for the Packers. Seven of them played at least above average football, according to PFF. So anywhere from, you know, above average football to elite performance. And in the previous three wins against the bears, Rams and dolphins, and this was typical most of the season. Okay. uh, Of those top 11 guys that played only four played above average in each of those games. So really our offense wasn't, didn't our defense didn't have a ton of significant players playing well on defense the last three wins but in this game they did this was a full defensive effort by the packers which like i said we haven't seen all season where almost everyone played together they played well there wasn't huge gaps across this defense and it's probably because they were so well prepared and i feel like that's been an entirely different thing from this packers team over the last month uh and a half okay on the Darnell Savage pick six. They practiced that exact play during the week and Rasul tipped the ball in practice and Savage picked it off in practice. Same thing happened in this game, except Savage took it back for a touchdown. This defense was well-prepared and it was obvious on the field with how well they played overall as a team, which ended up leading to three interceptions, the forced fumble as well, giving the Packers the huge edge by causing four turnovers and the Packers only getting turned over twice in this game. And so we had a plus two differential in turnovers, okay? Pretty much any time you can win the turnover battle, you are going to win the football game. This defense, over the first 12 games, they allowed 12 passing touchdowns, only five interceptions. They only got five interceptions. Over the last four games, this four-game win streak, we've allowed four passing touchdowns. So average the same amount, one passing touchdown per game, but we've had nine interceptions over that time. We played some lockdown defense over the last four games, and then one thing kind of about building your defense. If you want a defense that can score points, which isn't essential, your defense doesn't have to score points, but the Packers have built one that could, okay? They have Darnell Savage, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Quay Walker, Devonder Campbell, Rashawn Gary. These guys are all freak athletes. And so when they get the ball in their hands, they can make something happen with it. And we saw that when Darnell had the speed, plus our guys just being true athletes, making blocks to allow Savage to run that one back for a touchdown. Our defense, even I thought gave up some big runs in this game and to Kirk Cousins uh, specifically, which was frustrating to watch, but on designed rushing attempts, we only gave up 3.8 yards per carry in this game, which I was super impressed by. I actually thought the Vikings did a better job running the football, but I think I was just taking into account those Kirk Cousins runs. So, and they really didn't. Okay. The Packers did a great job stopping the run on design runs. So overall a great defensive performance. And then there's the special teams. Yeah, ugh, we got a punt blocked in this game. That was a crazy, terrible way to start this game. The Vikings get to the one-yard line. And then again, huge kudos to the Packers defense again right here. Because uh, the Vikings had the ball first and goal from the Packers one-yard line. They did not score a touchdown. That was huge for the Packers in this game to not allow the Vikings to get up 7-0. Okay. Thankfully, our special teams unit totally turned around on the very next opportunity with the Keyshawn Nixon, a 105 yard return. This guy is awesome. It was just an awesome play. My wife and I were f- just freaking out and what an incredible play. This was a guy who was questionable play to play this week, fought through a groin injury to play in this game. And hopefully he can be even healthier next week and he can continue to be a factor for the Packers and maybe can even start helping us again on defense. And everyone has given this guy praise right now, and they should. This guy never returned kicks until this season. and It's just, it's insane that he didn't because he's been so electric. Literally the best kick returner we may ever see in the NFL. This guy is right now. It's, it's, it's amazing to watch. My wife, Sarah, said this is the first time ever in her career where she's closely followed the Packers. So about the last three and a half, four years where she's really closely followed the Packers that she hasn't been scared for whoever's returning kicks or punts. And I feel the exact same way. This is a, this guy is a threat wherever he is taking it from guys like, Keyshawn Nixon, da- Dalen and Levitt have been dramatic differences for our whole special teams. And these guys, I think with a full offseason, can be quality difference makers as well for our defense as well, not just on special teams. And I'm excited about our future. I'm impressed in what Bashashia has done this year in Green Bay. I'm excited to have him on staff for years to come. I'm excited for that partnership between Bashashia and what it seems like Brian Gudikins, being able to get these guys in who can make a difference on special teams and being able to just find them. And those two have done a great job pairing up in that capacity this year. Even Mason Crosby, he hit that 56-yarder right before halftime. That was a that was a play we haven't seen from our offense, and I got to give the offense credit for that because I don't give I do have some negatives for the from our offense in this game, but for them to drive down the field in 40 seconds, get a chance to take a deep field goal before the half, and we did, you know. And Mason Crosby set his record at Lambeau longest kick he's ever made at Lambeau. It was epic. So happy for him. He's been so consistent this year, even if when he kicks the ball, it never looks like it's going to get there, but it, it always does. And that was just an awesome kick. Offensively, there were some positives as well. Like I said, at right before the half, being able to get out with 40 seconds, make a couple great throws, get into field goal range, boom, give our chance, our guys a chance to kick it, to put some points on the board. And there were some others as well. Our offensive line, both Bakhtiari and Nijman started this game and they were healthy. That's awesome. Okay our offensive line is pretty much totally healthy now and early on in this game Nijman actually got hurt again but Zach Tom is healthy. we have a quality backup tackle and this offense didn't skip a, bit, skip a beat and Neisman was actually good to go back in this game after just being looked off to the sideline for just a couple minutes and the Packers decided to stick with Zach Tom and it's fascinating that Zach Tom, the lineman that I loved that we drafted in the fourth round, has possibly usurped Neisman for the starting job at right tackle and if we are being honest, he probably should. It's just the only thing you're worried about is continuity is so important for an offensive line. Uh, having the same five guys and just the way they communicate, the way they play together is huge. But based off of individual performances, Tom has the edge. According to PFF, Nijman has a 65.4 overall PFF grade this season, while Zach Tom has a 69.0 overall PFF grade this season. So Tom has the slight edge there. But if you only count six week, since week nine, it's, it's even a little a bigger gap. Okay, Najman has a 64.1 overall PFF grade since week 9 and Tom has a 69.3 overall grade since week 9. Okay. So even a little slighter gap there. Um and then those weeks are important because it's it's more recent. So the last whatever seven games the Packers have played and both of those are times when both uh Zach Tom was only playing offensive tackle. Okay. Not just cuz before that Zach Tom was also playing a little bit of left guard, okay? So, but why this is, why Zach Tom should be playing over Josh Neisman, and this is the main reason why, okay? Pass blocking is the most important thing you can do as an offensive lineman. It's amazing to be a great run blocker. That is a side thing, though. That's like a, hey, the most important thing, 75%, probably, maybe 70% is pass blocking. 30% is run blocking. And here's here's the numbers. Pass blocking grades. Is, Josh Heisman has a 72.7 pass blocking grade. All of that has been at right tackle. And then Zach Tom, on the other hand, who's played left tackle and right tackle, mostly left tackle, but has a 85.7 pass blocking grade since week nine. That that would rank as the seventh best offensive tackle since week nine in the NFL. Okay. Tom has been better as of late especially now that he's only playing offense tackle Tom should be the right choice moving forward and Tom should be the right choice moving forward forever at right tackle you know if the Packers really look at their future having David Boxer at left tackle looking Jenkins at left guard you know I don't like Josh Myers at center but he's fine there he's just not as good as the guys we know I would like the Packers to have had John Runyon at right guard and Zach Tom at right tackle you got, you got three guys on the rookie contracts on the right side, and then you got two guys you're paying big money to on the left side. And that's that. I think that's the best way to go moving forward for the Packers. Um, Tom only allowed one pressure in this game, and that was the big idea for this game. Rodgers was pressured on just 23.1% of his dropbacks in this game. He was kept clean. Our offense line did their job against major guys like Zedaria Smith, Daniel Hunter, Delvin Tomlinson. Other big positives in this game for our offense was seeing a healthy Aaron Jones and Christian Watson. Uh, Aaron Jones, obviously, uh, or let's start with Christian Watson, Christian Watson. His speed was very evident on the field. He had a couple opportunities down the field to make some plays. He didn't in this game. He didn't come up with any big plays, but his speed does just change the complexity of our offense. I think even next week, Now that hopefully he can practice this week, I think Aaron Rodgers and him can get on the same page again. And I think that will be huge for us. And I'm excited to see him out there while the Vikings or while the lions have their speed threat and Jameson Williams out there. I don't think the Lions have used Jameson Williams as they probably could. As of yet, I would have loved to have Jameson Williams and Christian Watson, which was totally a possibility. But anyways, it'll be interesting to see both those guys on the field in the same game. And then Aaron Jones, he looked like his former self. And thankfully, because of the lead, the Packers were able to sit Aaron Jones for most of the second half as well, which is ideal. He's still dealing with a few injuries. So we need him to continue to get a little healthier and a little healthier. But Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, the combined to rush for 5.8 yards for carrying this game, keeping this dynamic duo ready healthy for next week was a must. And it looks like they were able to do that in this game. A big part of our rushing game has been Mercedes Lewis as a blocker. Lewis now is having a couple great weeks in a row. He finished this game with an elite 90.7 overall PFF grade, which is insane. Most of that is due to his run blocking in this game. Lewis, if he can keep it up, could be a huge part of our offense continuing moving forward before he was kind of a liability. He wasn't playing very good at all. He was more of just a guy who could be out there, but uh, he's been very, very good the last couple of weeks, and hopefully that continues. Of our receivers, I was impressed with Alan Lazard. He really has been a first down machine all season long. He was again in this game. I hope he realizes the best place for him is in Green Bay. He stays here because truly his stats aren't great by any means, but what he offers the Packers is more than he could offer most teams, and hopefully the Packers can truly come to an agreement to keep him around You know, as a receiver. Three receiver two is a trusty source for Rodgers moving forward for what I expect Rodgers last seasons to be in the next couple of years. So, but for this offense, I wouldn't say it was a great game by any means. The Packers offense didn't score until their third offensive drive. And that was just a field goal. The Packers have to be able to put up points a lot faster. They cannot start games so slow. You can't get three points on three drives. Okay. The Packers first 14 points in this game were scored by our defense and our special teams. Okay, and that's amazing that we had that jump to this game, but our offense wasn't the reason we were out ahead. Okay, and so a big reason why um, I didn't like this game offensively was, again, kind of a play call situation. On our second drive of the game, Rodgers and the Packers were being aggressive. I like the call to be aggressive on fourth and one at the Vikings 39. That's a great call, but for the second week in a row, the Packers did not execute well slash... Call, just make a great play call. The problem here was it was fourth and one. And before they called a timeout, the Packers were set up to do the double cheek push, which has been proven to be pretty much unstoppable this season. Guys are behind your quarterback, push your quarterback on the butt cheeks, literally to move him past for a first down. And But w- they call a timeout and move out of that play into a, a different play. And Rodgers... Uh, tries doing play action, sacked for a huge loss, giving the Vikings the ball at the Green Bay 45-yard 40, line, which thankfully, that was the savage interception for a touchdown drive. But that, that was still, that was terrible first. Here's why. It's a bad play call. There's consistent evidence around the NFL. The double-cheek push is how you get 4th and 1s this year. It's proven and almost impossible to stop. Now, let's say you don't run the double-cheek push on 4th and 1. If you are not going to run that play, you need to at least show the defense you're facing that you might run that play by having a very similar setup. Okay. And, but the Packers didn't, it was Rodgers under center, which yes, you could do a QB sneak still under center, but it was just, I think Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon behind him about five yards deep. Okay. But you need to have two guys close to him, fullback running back, ready to push him up there. Okay. If that's the right call or you have to be, or it has to be there so you can fake it. Um, Okay. So, uh, so you have to have something up there to at least show the defense. You might run it. But the problem, the last problem here is uh, Rodgers did this last week as well. After Keyshawn Nixon's huge return I think first or second down Rodgers took a huge stack to back them up near when we were near the Dolphins goal line on his like 95 yard kick return he does the same thing here it's fourth and one Rodgers is play action he drops back and he gets sacked you cannot take a sack there these types of plays can't happen Rodgers has got to be able to throw the ball away on these play action passes get his eyes up find the guys open after this um uh, and so that's just it's, – it's just not okay. There's a lot of things wrong with that execution of that fourth and one, and I was very disappointed in that. And that can't happen if we're going to beat quality teams, good playoff football teams. And our offense picked it up after that. But it that was v- – very disappointing to me. Our passing attack definitely was not what you would hope from them overall in this game. Marauders and Christian Watson cannot connect in this game. Romeo Dobbs seemed a little underused. I feel like he has some big potential, but he only played 31 snaps in this game. And I get it. There's only so many snaps go around, but gosh, he's such a good route runner when he's out there. Our passing offense has to be more consistent. We have the offensive line now to keep Rodgers from getting pressured. Now we need LaFleur and these receivers to drop the offense to scheme these guys open and have them also just start to win more one-on-one opportunities. And that's where I think Dobbs really comes into play because I think he can win one-on-one opportunities. That's one place the Packers have truly struggled all year is beating man coverage. When opponents play man coverage, our guys just aren't consistently getting open, which has made things tough for Rodgers in this, like in this game, Rodgers was terrible when he was blitzed. I think a, lot, a big reason for that was his receivers were not getting open against man coverage in this game. Again, the lions will see that. I think they'll identify that as an issue if it can't be fixed this week. And I, there finally, as we finish up this podcast, I think there's two ways in which I have been wrong and I need to own up to my mistakes. One I'll get to in a second, but the first is Zedarius. Zedarius has had a very good year in Minnesota, but in this game, the character is an issue, which is probably the reason the Packers moved on from him. Zedarius was one of the captains for the Vikings. He did not shake the Packers captain's hands. And then after the game, Zedarius ran right to the tunnel, didn't mingle at all. Kind of just ridiculous. I don't know how things ended specifically in green bay maybe the packers should have been able to end things in a better way before he left that final season where he was hurt so maybe that's on the packers maybe how they ended things how they communicated with him uh just all of that relationship type of stuff they could have done better but how is it but knowing how that happened so maybe that's in the past. You can't fix that. And then it's the end of the season and you're looking at your roster and you're seeing Zedarius, how he is so immaturely handled. Okay. How he was treated in whatever way. I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know all the details, but at least now you can see that Zedarius has very immaturely handled his exit from Green Bay. And yes, it makes it much more understandable why the Packers had zero desire to work things out with him moving forward. Okay. And that makes sense. With the other thing is this with this when the Packers now have secured their opportunity to make it into the playoffs because they are in control of their own destiny. Now, if the Packers beat the Detroit lions in the final game of the season, next week at home, the Packers get to go to the playoffs and it's going to be an incredible game. The NFL rescheduled this game to be the primetime game Sunday night, which is interesting because it actually benefits the Packers. The more I think about it, the Seahawks, the Packers, the lions are the final three teams fighting for the final wildcard spot. The seven seed. Now, the Lions can get in if they win and the Seahawks lose, but the Seahawks get in if they win and the Packers lose. So technically the Seahawks could play earlier in the day. And, th- and if the Seahawks win, no matter what the Lions do, if they win, even they can't make the playoffs. This is helpful because the Lions hope of a playoff opportunity could be crushed before the opening kickoff, even of our game Sunday night. This could make some players from the Lions and not everyone, but some have less motivation giving edge to the Packers in this game. This is a very well-coached football team for Detroit. They have pride. They can play hard no matter the situation. The Packers can't roll over if this happens, but this could be an edge for the Packers uh, because some of their mental aptitude could just kind of be destroyed before the game, game even starts. But if the Seahawks lose which the Rams have been playing better as of late, then the winner of this game goes to the playoffs and it's going to be a spectacular game, a must-watch, and what an exciting end to the season. The Packers were 4-8 and with a 3% chance to make the playoffs and I was calling for the season to end and wow, this has been just awesome. With one more win, the Packers get into the playoffs and this has been so fun and I was wrong. This is the second thing. When the Packers were 4-8, I was calling for the Packers. Throw the season. Let's get the draft pick. Let's build this team up for next year. Let's trade some guys away. I think we can fix this roster really, really quickly. And I was just wrong. I went with the data. And not that the data was wrong. The data was true. They had a 3% chance. But if you have a shot, you should take it because of several reasons. One major reason is you have Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers can do anything at any time. Okay? I don't think the odds are exactly as accurate when you have an elite quarterback. Okay? The other thing is what it does for your football team, okay, You for your culture, to give people the team motivation to come back next year, even when you're playing well to end the season. For camaraderie, even if we didn't make the playoffs, this has been a blast watching the Packers play so well and come together, and I love it. It's one of my favorite things, and I just hope, and I think because of this, because of how well the Packers ended the year, even if we lost against the Lions this next week, or even if we lost... We got destroyed by the 49ers in the playoffs. I think it's enough that this team can see, the coaching staff can see, these players can see, we can do this. And they can get jacked. They can get pumped. And we can find a way to get a lot of these guys back next year. And we can try this again one final time with Rodgers at the helm. And I want to see that. I want to see Rodgers do this for a few more years. And the Packers might not even be favored in their playoff matchup if they make it. But gosh, it's going to be fun sharing for them. And we will preview the final showdown for the regular season later this week. But for now, that is all we have today, folks. If you have not already, make sure to subscribe. Give me a review so I can hear what you guys think about the podcast and tell your friends about Packers now so that they can get all the latest updates on the green Gold. because it's always Packers season at Packers now. Thanks, guys.